Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show another week, and thank you for joining me. Uh, this week, we have an interview with uh, a wonderful lady. Uh, this interview is the, the closest I've ever come to actually shedding a tear during an interview. And afterward, uh, some of the things that she said really hit me and I was just kind of, you know, shocked and and kind of the climate of the world that we still live in. But anyway, uh, you'll definitely get, you'll hear that in the interview and hopefully you get something from it. But uh, before we do jump into the interview, first, I would just want to tell you to go check out the Solomon's Porch podcast. It's another podcast I'm a part of. It's not business related. It's just a good, fun podcast that me and my buddy Sean do over there. And uh, so, yeah, if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, I'd love for you to check it out. Let me know what you think. And I also want to thank the uh, patrons for the show that support over on Patreon. Mr. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. He's been supporting this show uh, since day one, and I really appreciate that. And he was my first interview, so you can go back in the archive and check that out. So make sure you head over to TrueStrengthApparel.com and get whatever kind of uh, clothing gear that you need for this fall and upcoming winter. And I also want to thank Mr. WordPress Stan at WPStan.com. Uh, WordPress Stan does a lot with uh, creating websites. And so if you need one created for yourself, uh, you want to get some good security and get some good SEO going on, make sure you hit up Mr. WordPress Stan over at WPStan.com. Now that's it for the intro, but I do want to let you know uh, before we jump into the interview that this interview, I actually recorded the whole entire thing on Skype. I didn't record my own personal audio like I normally do with a, another recording software. So the interview sounds different from most, but you know, I'm just trying to check out things, try them out, uh, experiment a little bit and, you know, just trying to see what'll work and what won't work. So, uh, so anyway, so if you hear that little bit of difference, that's what that is. Hopefully you don't mind it. It was still a phenomenal interview. So without further ado, please enjoy the interview with Marlisha Woods. All righty. Welcome back to the Business with Bordeaux podcast. I have another interview with um, uh, really it's a friend of mine's wife who I've kind of become friends with over social media, but she is an art teacher and, um, and she does phenomenal artwork and different types of visual uh, creativity. And so but she is a teacher, and I wanted to get her on the show because uh, she's been doing this for a while now, and I wanted to get her thoughts and opinions on this specific type of uh, entrepreneurial journey. So we have Miss Marlisha Woods. How are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Jason. Hey, it's, it's good to I'm have well. you. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank so um, I'm glad to be here. So yeah, I love the I love the photos that you post, and I'll be honest, I'm not a very uh, visually creative person myself, and so uh-huh. it's it's good to have somebody like my wife sometimes has to tell me to change my clothes sometimes because it doesn't match the way it's supposed no. to match. So that's <laughs> how problem. that that's how bad that's it standard is. Standard guy problem. Yeah, and uh, so she handles all of my visuals for me when it comes to my personal appearance unfortunately so but and every wife across the planet you, you, you yeah, don't have that problem do you oh yeah i do i okay. got that problem okay. a lot i'll have to yeah. tell kenny it's no which i'm sure he'll hear yeah. it on the show he'll hear. <laughs> yeah he'll, he'll hear. 
So anyway, I'll write them out. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, speaking of which, I would love for people just to get to know you just a little bit more, just kind of share your background, uh, how you kind of fell in love with art and got into teaching it because, you know, it's one thing to, to love doing art, but to, to mm-hmm. teach it obviously is something different because, you know, and we'll talk about it later, but I don't know how well I could be taught to be creative in, in, in drawing and being artistic like that. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, so, you know, that's kind of one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about. But anyway, uh, but yeah, if you just let people get to know who Marlisha Woods is and, and kind of how you came upon this journey of, of teaching art. All right. So who am I? I am a mother. I'm a, a wife. And of course, for the conversation, I'm an artist. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know exactly how the teaching became a part of the thread of art, uh, but I've always been an artist. Before I could write, before I could read uh, as a small child, I've always had the gift of art. So that's something that I, is innate. I was able to draw and to, to do things that weren't taught to me. So I didn't really learn how to be uh, a visual artist. I've honed the skills, of course, throughout the years. You've taken additional classes and um, like, camps and things like that that kind of made me get out of my comfort zone and what I thought was okay and and thought of art in different different ways and forms so of course I've learned to grow as a visual artist but in and of itself art has always been something that was natural to me um I didn't think that I was going to be an art educator um at first I swayed from that I was a BFA undergrad um What's student that? and I was a BFA, which is bachelor's in fine arts. Okay. And so I was going for an undergrad program in fine arts and I have a first, my first degree is an associate's in interior design. So after I got that, the, the goal was to get my bachelor's in fine arts and then pursue some type of art career. I wasn't for sure what, but something in the fine arts. Um, I was detoured from various people, family, friends, church, just different ones. This is not a real job. Oh, this wow. is not a career. What are you doing? Um, you already owe Sally Mae, right? So you need to make something that makes just a little bit more sense. And uh, honestly, uh, art education is one of the first uh, cut uh, budget cuts when you think of school system, public school systems. So, and that's generally where you would get your first shot, right? Is going to a public school system. And so uh, with that information, I went ahead and just dropped the program and I have a humanities degree. So it's just um, a liberal studies, if you will, bachelor's degree. And I have a minor in sociology attached to interior design. So that's a, a culmination of a lot of things that made me a well-rounded person. Right. And ironically, even though I have a degree that could take me just about anywhere, um, majority of the degrees nowadays um, in terms of undergrad, are you're going to get the liberal arts and humanities and general studies, continuing studies, um, just because that is the degree that allows a non-traditional college student to live. Like if you're a mom, a dad, a veteran, if you're non-traditional, you just didn't come straight out of high school, you have a life and like real bills to pay. Um, that's the degree that will allow you to get uh, a well-rounded education that covers generally all the bases, but gives you a flexibility within your schedule. And um, I have a daughter that's 10, going to be 10 in November. Um, So when I started my undergrad 
it was soon after that, it was like, hey, like, yeah, I've got a child that I have to balance my schedule around. So that degree gave me the opportunity to be very active early on in her life um, and still have the degree behind um, another additional degree behind me. Um, so, yeah, I graduated and the first job I got was a teaching artist position, which is similar to an art teacher, but it's different. I know it's like semantics, right? Are you an art teacher or are you a teaching artist? Okay. All right. So the difference, at least the, the general consensus, right? If you are a teacher by trade, there means there's credentials behind your name. And so you've had to take some type of um, education classes. You've done a practicum. You have the teaching certificate. And then in addition to the teaching certificate, um, you've had some type of shadowing besides the practicum. You, you've done years of that. I have never had a teaching credential and I've never had any particular teaching classes. Now I've, I've taken some stuff that was sort of similar to an education course, but I've never had any general education classes in college. However, because I have the experience as an artist, as a professional artist, then you can kind of tweak it, right? So like you can go into a university and have an expertise in something, um, and then you can teach it in that form. And so technically an art teacher doesn't even have to be an artist. You don't have to be an artist to be an art teacher. You can have a general degree um, that has absolutely nothing to do with art. And I'm not dumbing down the, the differences, but just kind of giving right. um, a, a scope of what I do. Um, an art teacher in a public school system, they do not have to um, build curriculum from ground up because they're giving kits. And the kit that they're given from the school maps out a standard and they have to meet all the core standards. And it's almost like teaching to the test but teaching to the test for art. So you can be creative, but only in the box, the frame that the school system gives you. However, for me, there is no kit, right? I'm the kit. I have to develop the curriculum from ground up. And it's all coming from either my background, my experiences, or I'm seeing the need that the particular group needs. Um, whether it's an organization or a 501c3, or it could just be a corporation that says, bring me in, I need team building, and we want to do it in a creative way. I'm that person that takes what you need, maps it out in a visual sense, and then we walk through the steps. Um, art for me is never about an art project. It's always about the end result. So for kids, I always say it's the vehicle, but we're going somewhere. Where are we going? I don't know. But when we get there, we should be better for it. Um, so a lot of my teaching is holistic in the approach. Um, I'm writing a contract now that's dealing with a lot of healing um, for the mind, body, and soul, but I'm using art to get there so if that makes sense i kind of got a little bit of flexibility other than um you know an art teacher probably wouldn't be able to get that right so where do you actually so. work at because it doesn't sound like you work in the public school system <laughs> no i don't okay. um i have contracts that are independent and so i can go anywhere um at any point any state out of the states and teach. Um, I haven't had the pleasure to do so quite yet, but I will in the near future. Um, so to answer your question, I go to organizations and sometimes they come to me through word of mouth and they'll ask me to develop a program for their children. And mainly right now it's children's programming. I've taught adults, but right now it's geared towards children. And so for instance, I have 
two contracts that I'm working on with Metro Louisville, Kentucky, which for those that don't know, it's the 16th largest city in the United States, Louisville, Kentucky, right? So I go into Metro Louisville and an organization will say, hey, we want you to come in for eight to 10 weeks. We want these core standards to be uh, taught to our children in a creative sense, be innovative about it, and it needs to meet the needs of a grant. Because typically the organization, if it's a 501c3, they're funded by philanthropy and grants. And so I'll um, build a curriculum around the fact that they need this grant to help cultivate the children. And so that's how I am able to go in the pictures that you see. You're like, she's here. She's doing a mural. She's That's how I'm able to do that. Right. That's interesting. So I don't have a nine to five. I don't have a 40 hour. Right. Right. So, well, that's cool. So when was the first time you really, uh, got a contract to do some work? Because I can imagine that's a very, uh, if it's new and it's gotta be a little bit tense and stressful to, to get that started to begin with. Yes, I always started out um, alongside someone else. So when I first started, it was a teaching artist apprenticeship um, with the Kentucky Museum of Art and Craft. And so that's a museum that's awesome museum on Museum Row in Louisville, Kentucky. All right. So shout out to K-Mac. Yay. OK, so I got my start there and it was right after I got my interior design degree. I was in between the transition from um, the associates to the bachelor's program and I heard about this opportunity and I was like, you know, I'm not an educator. At least I thought I wasn't at the time. I'm not a teacher per se, but I have something to offer to these children. So why not? Right. Um, so I went in with an open mind and I was paired with a master artist. And so, I mean, there is no um, paperwork behind being a master artist. It's more um, the years of experience and the networks and connections. So I was paired with a, a wonderful artist that had been um, practicing for at least 15 to 20 years. So I shadowed her and we would go into school systems and we would do art projects and uh, curriculum, build the curriculum for their program. Um, and I saw her firsthand kind of just navigate and I was kind of the wingman, if you will. Um, and that's where I got my name, Super Cooper. <laughs> she named me that. Uh, so it was a preschool group. And she said, kids do not care. I mean, adults like the fluff. They want to know your degrees and where, you know, this and the other. Kids don't care. They could care less if you have doctor before your name. What they want to know is that you care and they like stuff that's relatable. And so at the time, maiden name is Cooper. She said, you're going to be super Cooper. And I am Miss Patrice Will on a Hill. And it's stuck. All right. So kids, I could be anywhere at any time walking around and a child will run up to me and give me a hug. Hey, super Cooper. Uh, which is a great feeling because they remember the art that I brought um, to to them at the time and the feeling that they got knowing that she came for a reason, not for it. Paycheck is a part of it, but it's a a missional. It's, it's a missional task, too. So there's more so giving the child what they need or listening to them. Um, it's not the traditional art class where you have to paint this picture, show it in an art show, take it home in the end. We may not even have a project that's finished at the end, but they walk away knowing that someone came in to, to build them up. So gotcha. that's kind of how that started. I started with them. And that was in 2008, maybe 2009. No, 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 no. 2006, 2006. So yeah. Well, that's cool. I, it's been a while. 
have you ever noticed like when people ask you what you do um do they ever kind of give you like a uh oh well that that's not real like have you, have you ever got that feeling from somebody <laughs> yes. like because i mean because my thing that's is, an honest statement you weren't yeah. you were an entrepreneur like you work you work for yourself yes. you you have contracts yes. you teach i mean you're obviously entrepreneur by the standard of you know what it means definition of entrepreneur but i could i could see where people would probably be like yeah but you teach art and i mean but at the same time you know you are an entrepreneur you, you you're self-employed you have your business you have contracts uh a lot of entrepreneurs in today's world don't even have contracts and they call themselves entrepreneurs and that's a whole entire different ball game i'd love to talk about that a little bit too but uh <laughs> what oh no <laughs> I mean, not, not in Don't detail, not in detail, but I'm just, you know, obviously learning to put together contracts. Was that also what you learn, uh, kind of working aside somebody is how to work the contract system? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Contracts are important, but they're not like the way I put it is like this. There's times where I will go into an organization and I'll be temporary staff. So it depends on what their needs are and what they can actually afford. Um, Budget-wise, I kind of play with people, where meet them where they're at, right? And so if there's an organization like, we want you to come, we want you to teach, do everything that you always do independently, but we can't pay you contractor pay. Well, if I have the time allotted and you know they're able to, to meet me at least halfway, I can come in as a staff, if you will. So I'm getting a clock-in sheet, hourly pay, um, taxes have been drawn out, IRS, everybody's getting their money, and then I'll walk away doing the same exact thing that I would have been doing on my own. It's just under their branding, their name. And because of that, of course, the, the fees, when you have more hands in the pot, then that means I don't bring home as much. Yeah. But that's still learning experience. That's still something that I can bring to um, another organization that's similar to them that doesn't have the budget to, to bring a contractor in, but they really want the program. And the goal is to give the children what they need. So if I can give it to them in a compact form, then let's go. So that's kind of how that works. So contracts are not the sole reason why an artist can thrive. There's all different kind of ways. Um, in addition to teaching, because that's not my mainstay. I don't teach um, 12 months out of the year. When I'm not teaching art, I tell people to, to sum it up, because my husband rears me and he's like, you do a lot. And because you do a lot and it's art based, people are already looking at you like you're a unicorn because you say art and they're like, what's that? You know, what is, is that's not a real job. But then you go into the different things that you do and it's just like, it's too lengthy. So in short, I teach what I make and I make what I teach. If I'm not teaching, I'm making it. And why am I making it? Because there's a missional goal. Um, the design work that I do currently for the Ollie Center, that's considered a contract, right? That's an independent person coming in saying, I want to do X, Y, and Z for your company to better your company. Um, and that's design work that has nothing to do with teaching. But am I learning something from it? Is the community that purchased the items as a patron for the center, are they getting something from it? Of course, because every design piece that I make, I'm reiterating the core principles of a person that's not me. Like, it's not my mission. As much as I want to throw a little bit more Alicia in there, at the end, I have to rear back and say, okay, does this look like something that states Muhammad Ali Center? And so that's where I come with that. So there are different types of contracts that I have, but it's all encompassed around art. Gotcha, gotcha. So are you considered, uh, are you doing business as or an LLC? What, what's your business structure 
I mean, I know it's just the business. For the first two years, I I said that I was going to, because this is a Christian broadcast, I'll go ahead and bring in the faith uh, aspect of it. I said within the first two years, I would just pray about it. I would navigate as sole proprietor, and I would not tag LLC or 501c3. And those are the two narrowing structures for me. 501c3 makes sense because of all the community outreach that I do. Um, But then there's LLC, which is you know, more business driven, profit driven, which honestly at this point for the teaching purpose is not that. So uh, for the first two years, um, navigating for the structure. Gotcha. But I am a sole proprietor in terms of IRS. Gotcha. Um, I was just curious because I know a lot of people when they're wanting to get started, they want to know what works better for them. So has that worked well for you? Has there, has there been yes, any hiccups? I mean, no, it hasn't brought any hiccups. Uh, I don't know if it would for someone else in the in the genre that they have, but for me it hasn't been an issue. Um, I try to be very diligent about my budget, what I spend out versus you know I don't have a large budget because everything that I'm doing. For instance, if I, the fun thing about it is right, I can go into an organization and I can I write a contract, right? So this contract is I'm not getting paid by the organization. I'm getting paid by the grants that the organization gets. However, if I were to approach the same foundation and ask for that grant, because I am a sole proprietor, I already know the answer would probably be no, because you need to be in a certain structure to get certain things. So if I wanted to get grants solely for myself without going through any third party, then I would probably need to be classified as a 501c3. However, I'm not thriving as an entrepreneur on grants, I'm not asking for any donations um, from a company. It's more so I'm doing the grant work myself. So for the first two years, I put myself out there as, okay, if I'm going to teach the program, where is the supplies coming from? It's coming from me. Um, the studio space that I have, no one's purchasing that. That's something that I'm, I'm leasing and that's on me. So there's a lot of when people say entrepreneur, I think there's this connotation that I'm free. I could just do whatever I want. And I don't have a boss. Like, no, there's still discipline. And there's a lot of sacrifice that comes along with that. Um, and the, the snail, if you want to say snail mail, like, yes, um, two, three contracts are great. But there may be a time where you won't see a contract for two, three months. Like, did you project that? Like, did you think, what am I going to do? How do I continue to keep a momentum in people's interest, even when I'm not actively, you know, engaged in what I really love? So to say the least, sole proprietor works when you're trying to figure out what you want to brand yourself as. Gotcha. For sure. That's good advice. That's good advice. I, I appreciate that because, you know, definitely I think that's probably one of the first questions that, you know, I'll hear. Like, for example, on like the Dave Ramsey show, I used to listen to it a lot. And people would <laughs> always ask, you know, what should I start as? And uh, he would always say sole proprietor or doing business as. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, kind of, the finances mean it's a budget. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, I wanted kind of to, to jump back to uh, something that you had mentioned close to the beginning that, that I wanted to address. Um, you were saying that you, you honed in your skill before you were teaching it. Now, it's interesting yes. because I think some people – uh, one thing I notice in today's society is everybody thinks that they're eligible to teach something. 
and for myself personally, like whenever I started this podcast, it it was me just providing information about stuff. But then I realized, okay, I'm not an expert in every area of business, and so I and that's when I got into yeah. interviewing people. So for anybody out there who's thinking about teaching something, especially if they don't have credentials, um, how important is it to make sure that they are perfecting their craft, their skill, their talent before they try to attempt to teach it? Well, it's very important to always be growing. You never really arrive. So if you feel like you're that person that I am the expert and no one can teach me anything, then it's like, okay, really, um, you have to be the model, right? So if you want people to learn, then you have to be teachable, right? right. And you're learning from the students. A lot of things that I learned didn't come from a book. It came from dealing with real people with real problems, teaching college students that have life, right? You know, um, so I would say yes. It's very important that you hone those skills, that you don't just get to the point where you're comfortable, that you're able to get out of your um, the, the routine because you may have learned something. I've learned things that are obsolete. You know what I'm saying? Like the, things change, time changes, technology changes. And um, I was dealing with a student before, just as an example, he was giving me all of his expertise in culinary because he changed from a culinary program to a design program, which is a little bit different. And he was just giving me all of these things that he had accomplished, and it was great. But when it came to transitioning, he didn't know how to do some of the basic things, like using email. Like, and I know it sounds laughable, but I didn't laugh at him. Everybody's different, right? He was a non-traditional college student. He didn't know how to email. He didn't know how to do, you know, some of the navigational tools. Just go on Google, do dot, 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 and he couldn't do it. And so he could bank on the fact that, hey, I'm a great chef. But that's not going to translate well in the business sense, because if you have a business meeting and I shoot you an email, you say you didn't get it because you don't know how to use an email. It's not going to help you. So you always have to learn and learn outside of your craft. Like, OK, so what? I'm a visual artist. I don't want to be in a room always with people that look like me, sound like me, act like me. I want to be in a space where I can network with people that have absolutely nothing to do with visual arts because they can learn from me and I can learn from them. And so I've dealt with people in horticulture, architects, I mean, different people that have a similar interest. There's a creative to it, but they are not visual artists. But that's how I've been able to hone a skill. Um, I didn't really learn it from people that were in my peer group because honestly, there's the competitive aspect of it, which I'm the open book. Like if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you the information because I don't have the angst that you're going to take something from me. Like the world's too big, right? right. Um, sometimes people within the same city, state, they're like, well, I'll tell you just two pieces, but you go on a Waldo hunt and find the rest because I don't want you to progress. I've worked with people and I support people that are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing because I understand that they can't take anything from me that I'm not, if I'm supposed to have, it's mine. Like you can't take it from me. Now I can squander the opportunity because I'm not prepared but initially, you can't take it from me. So with that being said, I don't mind sharing information. And that's one of the one of the, the ways I feel like you're uh, blessed in terms of growing a business. You have to be able to give more than you receive. You have to be able to be that pro bono free person, right? You have to be able to market not just yourself, but your mission and other people that have like missions. You can't just be self-perpetuated. Uh, like you have to deal with other people. And, and understand that it's bigger than you. It's always bigger than you. And if it's not bigger than you, don't do it. I'm so glad you mentioned what you mentioned because 
Uh, something that I heard um, Gary Vaynerchuk said is he was talking about how there's so many people want to do non-disclosure agreements when they're talking about business ideas and all these different things. And he was saying that, mm-hmm. you know, I, ideas are nothing without implementing the ideas. And so many people are scared to share their thoughts with anybody because they feel like somebody's going to steal them. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. it's who actually goes out and does it. And if and if you're working to to be the kind of the best in your craft, and even as you said, if it's meant to be yours, it's yours, and you know, and, and, right. and you work for it. And so I, I, I feel that's a very appropriate uh, discussion and and something that people need to think about whenever they're moving on because I think that can push so many people away from you too. I think that's yeah. unless you know if that's, you people very skeptical. Then, you know, you receive the way you're given. So you're given the way you receive, you receive the way you're given, if I'm stating that correctly. But if I come to you and I'm suspicious and I'm not going to go on the Bordeaux show because he's going to just ask me a bunch of questions and he has an ulterior motive, right? If I approach you that way, then you're probably going to be like, okay, I don't know what she's on, but whatever it is, I'm good. Like, so you don't want to associate yourself with someone that's completely like um, guarded all the time. Like you should be aware, never walk in blind. Like you should, I know when people are using me, me and my husband are both artists. So I've been doing this for a while, long enough to know. I can see it in somebody's eyes before they open them. I know, like I know. And sometimes I know if I want to let you use me. Like, you know, I'm not oblivious. If I allow you to use my time, my space, it's not because I'm a victim, right? It's because I'm allowing you to get a learning lesson out of it. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, so you should definitely come into a situation knowing that you should be aware of people's motives, but you should never assume that everyone's got a negative motive. No one's trying to, everyone all the time is not trying to steal something from you because the, again, the world's too big. Right. And, and ideas, honestly, they're duplicated. We're self-preserving people. We like self, all about me, you know, yeah. that's how we're natured. All of us at one point were natured that way. But the truth is I've got concepts and ideas that have nothing to do with art. They're business related ideas and I'm sure it's crossed somebody else's mind. So when I see that and it's in a progressive mode and it's in phase two and I haven't started phase one, I can't get, oh, well, someone told them such and such. No, maybe it was just an amazing idea that God gave amazing people this idea and they had enough faith to move and I was just sitting there. And I just missed out, you know, it's just, that's how it works. Now I have a question and I know your, your husband's going to love this one. And, um, have you ever gone into an environment where they told you, you couldn't, uh, kind of show your faith in your work? Cause obviously, I mean, you being a a Christian woman, you being an artist, you know, there, you know, I I have a feeling that's going to show out in your, your, your art. Um, so have you ever went into a position where they're like, look, there can be no religious affiliation at all. And has that made you feel any kind of way? Did that deter you from wanting to go there? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the geography has a lot to do with that. Um, I live in Southern Indiana slash we are so Kentucky and believe it or not, it is a real word, right? Kentucky fused with Indiana and this Bible belt, Midwest Bible belt, we're different from the rest of the United States. We're United States, so we've got a lot of faith 
faith-driven locations, businesses, you name it, and they have no problem playing Jesus on the radio, and they're just playing it, and you're eating yogurt, and you're like, what? And then you'll ask them, are you Christian? And they're like, sure, we love the Lord. They got signs everywhere, right? So I live in that particular setting. So for the most part, it's not been an issue, but I don't approach people stating that I'm a Christian. Not because I'm ashamed of being a Christian. It's because I would like to think that you would know what I am uh, by what I do, not by what I say. And to be honest with you, Christian in and of itself, that term has become a very negative term um, for most people in the United States because of those that portray to be something that they're not. For all of the, I guess you would say, the people that have been wearing um, Christianity almost as a mask and they take it off and they've shown in business sense and that they're not pure, then it makes it difficult for people that are actually legitimate in the faith to have opportunity that is pure because they're looking at you like, oh, you might be shady just like the next guy. So I don't come in saying, hey, this is who I am, but you'll know it's who I am because I'm not going to code switch as you will. Um, take me as I am, you know? So that, that persona, I think it works well. I think people believe that I'm authentic and I've been able to work with all different types of people. And it's not been an issue uh, because I didn't make it one. I think people try to make scenarios that don't exist. It's like, oh, they don't want us here. Who told you that? You know, who said that you couldn't go into a certain arena? That's a that's a negative self-talk that people will try to they, they box themselves in. Well, I only work with other Christians. Why? Like, or I only work with people that look like me. Let's Put it out there. I'm an African-American woman. I only want to go to culturally diverse situations. Uh, no, I'm going to go in places where sometimes I'm tolerated. And as E.T. says, sometimes I'm celebrated. I will go in places where they will be like, hey, Marlisha, we want you here. And then I'll be in a setting where I know that I'm the outlier, but I'm still there for a purpose, for a reason. And I'm going to bring the same positivity that I would bring in a place that wanted me with welcome arms as a place that has kind of a angst and a opposition of I'm not for sure if we you're the you're the right fit you know you come in and you bring the best you and sometimes people will love it and sometimes people hey but you know you try to be the best person that you are in each setting and I don't think anyone in a business sense should walk in and say that because that's not it it's not logical I don't walk in and say hi I'm an African-American woman please work with me so I'm not going to tag it with I'm an African-American woman that happens to be a Christian and my mother and my aunt and I'm all these hats that I wear. Um, I'm not going to say that. But as you work with me, that developing relationship, the transparency is there. You ask me a question, I'm going to answer. And most of the time, people never ask me. I'm saying out of all the times that I've been in settings that were business related, I can't probably name more than a handful of times that someone has actually asked me about my faith. Because they already knew. And some most of the time what I get is, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for not pushing your views on me. And I respect the integrity piece. And if you have the integrity piece, your faith and your integrity, they should fuel each other. Right? So if I walk in and I'm giving everything I'm supposed to do above and beyond, and I'm not trying to me, 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 but I'm giving something they understand I'm not, it's not one-sided, then they, they have earned their respect. And once you earn someone's respect, who cares? They don't care what you believe in. They want to know, do you believe in them? Do you care about them? Before you do anything else, do you really care about me? Are you self, 
um, is your gender bias? Like, is it just about you? If it's about you, then I don't really care what religion you are. Like, I don't want to deal with you anyway. But if you bring 100% and you give your all, I think people, even if they don't agree with your faith, they agree with your presence. And you gave them tidbits. I don't have to say God is love. I should show love. And they accept that love and I move on. That's my job. Right. That's good. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, just briefly uh, growing up as a, you know, as, as a, a well, black girl, black woman has, okay. ha, yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out the easiest way to say that, but, you know, growing up, you know, obviously the number of businesses, especially like the well-known businesses that are owned by black women are, are sl very slim. Has that ever mm -hmm. like, did that ever kind of deter you of thinking of whether or not you could be an entrepreneur? Was that ever um, like a, a hindrance in your mind or did I ever kind of make you question anything? Because uh, cause that's one thing I think a lot of times our demographic, uh, well, not mine because obvious reasons, unfortunately, but um, but for some people it's, it's harder to think, can I be successful? Is, is the world going to kind of... Uh, take me as I am. Uh, I don't know if I worded that right. <laughs> I got what you're saying. Okay, I get okay. it. Am I welcome? Right, right. Yeah. Um, when I started like teaching independently full time and when I started designing it and just really throwing myself into art full time and not being branded by one company, 40 hour a week, punch o'clock. I never considered myself to be an entrepreneur. I never really even used that terminology and not that it's a negative, but I just, it was organic. It was almost like, okay, it's time for me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not even for sure how I'm going to do this, but I'm supposed to do this. So let's go. Like, and so I had done so much in the past for other organizations that I understood how it was supposed to be done. I hadn't done it before. And so, yes, walking into any situation, there's the, the questioning of will they accept me? Will they um, even care about the credentials, right? Or are they gonna just look at me like, okay, you're the black girl, right? That's the question. Um, is my race, my ethnicity, is that a problem? Is my gender a problem? It's called je double jeopardy, right? In sociology, they teach up. So yes, I know that some people will prefer to work with a male and they would prefer to work with someone that's not African-American. And I happen to be both. So if you want to work with me, I can't change those things. Right. I can change my faith all day long, but I can't change those two things. Um, and so, yes, there's been instances where I had reservations um, just kind of questioning because I've had, um, if anything, you said, has there been an issue with my faith? There's been more issue with my ethnicity than than my faith. Wow. Um Sometimes spoken, just flat out blatant. And then sometimes it's just the no handshake, slide the paper on the table, don't touch me type of dealing. And I've seen it enough to know what it is. Um, but when it's all said and done, I can't let that type of mentality stop me from doing something that I was always meant to do. And so I would feel like if, if anyone has an issue with, things that you cannot control, then don't, you don't have to do business with them. Again, you don't even have to do business in your area. People will say, well, I live in a small town and this is the mindset. I, my, my, my core target audience 
if I had a target audience for the art that I produce, um, it's not me trying to knock on doors and say, look at me, yo, you're, you're my neighbor. Will you buy something? I know that the Bible is true. You get more honor when you're not at home. So there are places that are welcoming me that here are closed doors. But there are other places if you're set up and you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing, not what you want to do. Cause sometimes I don't feel like it makes sense. Majority of the time it doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, what are we doing now, Marlisha? <laughs> checkpoint, checkpoint. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all. And when I explain it to people, sometimes I don't. Like at this point, I don't give them all the pieces of the puzzle because they're gonna look at me like, you're an alien. Like it just doesn't make sense. But it, it wasn't meant to make sense. Um, I'm just navigating in my purpose. Um, and I understand that. So people won't get it. But for me, I just ask that when I come into a situation, I can't change people, but I want to have the grace. I want to have the the open mind that maybe it's not on purpose, if that makes sense for them to perceive me in a such a, in, in, in a negative light. If they feel that way, maybe I'm there to open up their eyes that everyone's not what they believe is a stereotype. Um, sometimes I'm in uncomfortable situations. Like, um, since this is faith-based, let's go with God will send you to uncomfortable situations. He will detour you from where you want to go. It seemed like every time Jesus in the New Testament was trying to walk somewhere, he was trying to go. He had a map, right? We always have a map. But then God is like, nah, I'm going to sidetrack you. Not sidetrack you in being not capable, incompetent, not prepared. But I'm going to sidetrack you with, okay, there's somebody sick. Oh, now we got to stop. Come on, 12 disciples. We got to go heal somebody. Like he was willing to be fluid. Now he understood there's a map. There's a goal. Get to Calvary. But in between that space, there was always a detour. Let's go feed people. Let's go heal people. And so for me, I understand there's a destination because my purpose has, there's a, there's somewhere I'm supposed to be getting to. But along the way, if a detour leads me to someone that doesn't like me because I'm a black girl or a black woman, then I'm going to be there for a reason to show them that I'm a black woman and I'm okay. And maybe they'll walk away feeling as if, not condemned, but feeling as if like, oh, I might need to open up my perspective uh, with diversity. So yes, I've had a lot. I've had someone tell me you're everything we're looking for, but you can't come into people's homes. It's a consultation situation and you'll have to deal, deal with our um, clientele. And uh, we saw your resume. I had a phone interview. Great. Had a personal interview. They looked at my resume. I'm everything. I'm exceeding their expectations. And the only thing that's stopping me from getting this position is the something that I can't change, which is my skin. Not that I'm a female, but because I was African-American, they told me the location, the zip code. And they said this particular zip code has X amount of dollars. The the demographics don't look like you. And we cannot send you into those people's homes because they won't accept you. So thanks, but no thanks. But we're good. So, yeah, I've had situations where it was like, I don't know, maybe they don't like me. But I've had a lot of in your face. Thanks. You're great. You're awesome. But you're black um, or you're you're a woman and you're black. Um, but again, that didn't stop me from doing what I'm doing. It just made me think, OK, rethinking um, how to navigate and how to be more mindful of people and how to pray, I guess, if you will, pray for people that don't quite get it yet. Right. Right. 
Well, I I just got to say that is uh, is terrible. I hate that we still live in a time where that's an issue. Uh, that's to me, it still strikes me as so odd because you know I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it's just weird. But uh, and that's that's the reason why I ask is because you know I'm not a woman. I'm not black. And sometimes you know white men can be blinded or just ignorant or or just don't know about the kind of struggles that, that, that people face that don't look like them. And so I'm, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, and I know it's, you know, it's, it really sucks. It really sucks. So, <laughs> but, um, beyond sucks, but anyway, uh, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I got way more than what I thought I was going to get. And, uh, so, <laughs> so I'm a soccer. That was, that was yeah. awesome. Well, I don't mean the the amount of uh, the amount of storytelling and dialogue. I just mean like uh, that's why I love leaving uh, open conversation available because as you're talking, I'm able to hear things that I you know I want to ask. And, and I know some people probably don't agree with the open format, but I think it works best. And uh, for this conversation, it really did well. So I appreciate you. Uh, where can people find you at? Well, anyone can find me at www.artteachesme.com. So that is art, A-R-T, the T is shared, A-R-T-E-A-C-H-E-S-M-E, artteachesme.com. Because I'm always learning something and I'm always trying to teach what I know. So for that purpose, it's artteachesme.com. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So artteachesme, the T is shared, dot com. Uh, Marlisha, again, I thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. I know uh, this is definitely be, be encouraging to anybody out there, especially who share similar struggles as you. And, um, and letting people know that whatever you're passionate about, if you're good at it, you can turn that into, uh, you can monetize it and do it at for a living. So, yep. all righty. Well, uh, we will be awesome. back next week with another interview here on the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Okay, so before we officially end the interview, this is a small interlude. Marlisha actually wanted to add something to the end because we kind of ended in, in kind of a downer type note, but she had something uplifting to bring at the end of it. So here is her her ending response to the interview. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so Marlisha wanted, no, Marlisha wanted to add something to it. And uh, so I had to, to restart recording again. But anyway, go ahead and share what you wanted to share. No, it's cool. Just we ended on like talking about struggles. And I wanted to end with the positive from dealing with difficult situations. Okay, so the same zip code when I was um, interviewing for a job years ago. And I was told, no, you can't come here. We want you, but you can't because people won't receive you in that particular area. Last year when I was developing my programming that I do uh, within my studio, a mother contacted me and she filled out all the forms. She was just on it. She had everything prepared. I got an email and I was looking and it has demographic information, right? So I need to know where are they coming from, the referral, how do they, how do they hear about me? And she heard word of mouth, good things. And it was the exact zip code from where I was told I wouldn't be welcome, right? And so that was so encouraging and I didn't even get it. Like I just plugged information, welcome to, you know, um, the art program that I produce. And so we just had a good conversation via email, met her in person and it didn't dawn on me until a couple of weeks later and it 
I connected the two and I'm like, that's the same place I was told that I'm not welcome. And so that goes to show one person thought one thing, but there's a slew of people that can think something different. So when you're dealing with opposition, it doesn't have to be racial. It could be anything. Um, stratification because of the finances, right? The, the fluent and those that are marginalized, whatever the case is, what you heard from one person, they don't speak for the group. They just speak for themselves. They may appear to be speaking for the group, but you need to give the group a chance, right? And so this mother was willing to drive quite a distance to be a part of a program ran by someone that looks like me. And so I'm glad that I'm open-minded to see that everyone's not the same. And you don't stop pursuing what you're supposed to be doing just because someone doesn't accept you. There are people that are waiting for you to do what you were supposed to be doing. Gotcha. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that's going to be uh, a, a positive uh, inflow or a positive word to, to those who have been through struggle. So awesome. Thank you. Have a nice day. Alrighty, that was the interview with Marlisha Woods. Uh, I'd love to thank her again so much for sharing that story and for ending that on a positive note, even though we had a small interlude and we had to come back into it. But anyway, I, I really appreciate her sharing that and taking the time to do the interview. And uh, before we go this week, I do want to remind you to check out the Solomon's Porch podcast if you haven't done so yet. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on that and see if that's something that you enjoy. But I also want to thank our patrons for the show, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. Make sure you go check him out and all the gear that he has. Winter's coming up, and he has some winter gear that you can check out. So make sure you hit him up on that, TrueStrengthApparel.com. And he also actually has a podcast himself called The Daily Words of Wisdom, which you can find on uh, Google Play and iTunes. So make sure you check that out. And also WordPress Stan over at WPStan.com. WordPress Stan, he does a lot with WordPress websites. If you need a website created, you need help getting that going for your online business or you know whatever it is you have going online, uh, wh whether it's a a content site, you know, if you sell stuff, whatever that is, hit them up, wpstand.com. And one last thing I wanted to tell you about, if you're not on Anchor yet, make sure you check it out, A-N-C-H-O-R. Uh, Anchor is a really cool platform. You can actually create your own podcast using that platform without having to do anything outside of the, po the, the platform itself. So you go into the app, it's an all audio app. You can just talk into your phone and create a podcast that goes on iTunes and Google Play. It's really, really cool. Uh, I'm up there during the week uh, just kind of giving updates, talking about current business things going on. And so I'd love to hear you up there. If you haven't done it yet, check it out. And you can find me at anchor.fm slash business with Bordeaux. So anyway, uh, if you have any questions about that, you can hit me up at JasonBordo1 on Twitter and Instagram. And then I'm also on Facebook under Business with Bordeaux. So anyway, that's it for the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to uh, have you back to listen to the show next week. Thanks and God bless.